Welcome to the Thundercast. This is Christian Esparza, Parker Haney joining me today. And for today's episode, we have two very, very special guests. Uh, first, I'll introduce Hayden Coombs. He's been on this show once already this season, right? I guess last semester. All I know is I've been on a lot less this <laughs> <laughs> since you took over than last year <laughs> when Kelton was running the show. And speaking of that, the other guest is Kelton Jacobson, the, the man who used to metaphorically sit where I sit today. <laughs> yeah, I came out of retirement. Came out of retirement. My knees are aching, but I'm here. So we brought these two dudes on to talk some SUU ball. So uh, Kelton, we'll let you go off. What do you wanna what do you wanna hit with with SUU hoops? I mean, I'll just kinda first give a shout out to uh, the women's team who seem to just continue to win all the time i i know they have an occasional loss here or there but you know for the rotation that tracy sanders is putting out on the floor it continues to get w after w and it's very very impressive especially considering that you lost your best player last year in liz graves who was top of the big sky in scoring and second in rebounding um and then you you know you you lost a couple different players this year due to injury uh you know and, and other things so they continue to win, and I think it's incredibly impressive. Are they still at the top of the Big Sky, or are they one of the top four, top three? three? One game down. One game down, and what is she running? Like a a six, a six player rotation, six or seven player rotation. Um, lately she's, she's been going been a running. little bit deeper. Yeah, Nat comes off the bench early, and so does Maddie. Um, and then lately we've seen a few. We've seen a few Briar minutes. Okay. Um, and then Lex Lord too, has been kind of another rotational player so every game i've broadcasted lex lord has been unbelievable yeah she's, and i love it she's good dude she puts up she doesn't score a lot of points but her plus minus is always like one of the one of the best on the roster like it's, you can just guarantee she, she can guarantee you every time she's on the floor they're like she's gonna get one of those random rebounds yeah. that she shouldn't have got she's gonna get a random layup that like it didn't look like was gonna go like I don't know. She's she's an ultimate like just a high momentum. Yeah, momentum swinger of like she's gonna do the hard thing, and then you guys are gonna be vibing. Well, and I then think she gets put on the bench. One thing, <laughs> well, one you know. thing I like about her game is she's a walk on. So I think you can kind of see that kind of underdog mentality like every time that yeah. she steps on the floor. So she just gives it like a hundred and fifty percent every time she's out there. She's so much fun. Well, she's like what like. Listed at maybe five nine. Yep. I don't think she's really five nine. Yeah, and she's playing forward minutes. Yep. Like that's, they moved that's, her to forward over the season because they they had such little depth there, and she's been making it work even though she's given up so many inches to everybody she's against. Yeah, strong as an ox, and it doesn't give up a lot of space down low. It's it, it's fun watching her play. She she makes a huge difference when she's out there. We just need to get a few of those shots to start falling for her. Right. Which it always blows my mind when she's not hitting in games because any time you walk by the AFEC and you hear someone in there putting oh, up it's shots, her. it's like It's her. Always. I was, was going to say the same thing. I've been a basketball savant my entire life. I've watched a lot of people, a lot of different teams, a lot of players practice, and I have never once seen a player practice as hard as Alexa Lord has. Yeah. So She's good, man. So SEU women's basketball, 16-10. and 10. Overall, 12-5 and five in the Big Sky Conference. They are coming off a win the other day against NAU, and that was such a fun game. I mean, Natalia Oatka, Missouri, came out, had a career-high 25 points, 
six three-pointers made. Um, Sam Johnson was on fire, too. She had, I believe, 17 and five three-pointers. It was just basically the Thunderbirds seemed unstoppable. That was such a fun game. Well, and they were – I mean, Sam hit 17 in the first half. Yeah. And then basically coasted for the rest of the game. Right. Um, Natalia, a lot of her big buckets came kind of in – and junk time at the end of the game but yeah uh things got a little chippy there in the game so i was glad natalia kept firing like yeah they had one girl that uh nau did she got called they announced it was a technical i don't think it was a technical because they didn't end up shooting free throws i was way yeah. confused but anyway she was getting chippy and i'm like dude you're down by 20 like <laughs> what are you what are you doing yeah no we were we were working that girl pretty hard from the sidelines but i'll tell you <laughs> She had the biggest <laughs> biceps I have seen she in the did. big sky this and year. Calves too. So anytime she looked over, I'd point at my buddy and be like, "It was him." I did not <laughs> want her to say nothing. The, She'll beat you up. The only way I was uh, walking out of that stadium with my life was if Briar came in and protected me. Protected you. <laughs> so uh, third in the Big Sky Conference, we've got the the standings up right here. Number one is Idaho State, thirteen and four. Number two is Montana State, also at thirteen and four. And they split. So. Yep. So that's a they're they're they'd bring a a share of the conference title. Yeah, and then Montana State's schedule is probably the easiest of the top three teams. Yeah. They go at Montana, at Sac State, and at Northern Colorado. Hmm. All winnable games. Oh yeah. All winnable games for Montana State. I will tell you, Sac State though they have been surging. Yeah. As the season has gone on, they have played better. Will you pull and up better. their schedule? I know they won like they were like ten and one at one point, like a ten one win streak yeah i mean they had started the season with like eight losses or something like that and they were just they just looked terrible in the beginning of the year but they are just they really came on at the right time someone i definitely want to avoid in the conference tournament yeah they put together a big string of wins there then they lost back to back weber state like idaho that. state www and then you lose to weber state and then www and then you lose to weber yeah, state and two losses <laughs> to weber state is kind of head scratcher right but but i mean the trap games yeah trap in, games they, they still played a close game with idaho state who's definitely the most talented team in the conference but they uh what sacramento state does so well is they're just so much bigger than everyone mm -hmm. else yeah. they have legitimate p5 size and that's just so hard to compete with and meanwhile, for uh, SUU, we're looking at Montana uh, Thursday night. And then Wednesday, we will host the number one Idaho State. And then we will wrap it up hosting Weber State on Friday, March 4th. So two games over spring break, that kind of sucks. Uh, those are games that they'll definitely need the crowd to be involved in. But overall, things are looking really well with just a few games going uh, before the Big Sky Tournament begins on March 7th up in Boise. So I, I think really I don't see the Thunderbirds finishing any lower than maybe fourth if they drop Montana and Idaho State. Yeah, the, the schedule I was thinking of when I said Montana State has the easiest was Idaho State. They're the one seed, and they have two home games versus NAU and Portland State. Portland State still hasn't won a game, and then they play – at SUU. And I mean, it's obviously going to be a good game, but you're pretty much Gosh, guaranteed. The first one wasn't, though. Yeah. Right. You're pretty much guaranteeing two wins against NAU and Portland State at home. And then you're at SUU. And at that point, I think you maybe even have the, the one seed locked already. So yeah, who knows, very likely who knows what's going to happen on out. March 2nd. So 
Look at that too. They have their game is on Wednesday, March second, and then they have a bit of a rest before the tournament begins. Plus, they'll have a first round bye, so they're gonna go almost a week without playing. Idaho State will. But anyways, uh, another player that we need to talk about for women's hoops, too, is Lizzie Williamson. And I think she really unlocked kind of this Thunderbirds offense. Um, she's been great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't think anyone saw that coming. No. To no. be completely honest no. with you. No disrespect to Lizzie, but this is a girl who played in three games over her first two years of college basketball. Yeah. Um, she played a total of 22 minutes last year yeah the majority of those minutes coming in the very first game of the season mm-hmm. um, against uvu, against UVU. then after that game she was just glued to the bench yep never played never really saw her in any time other than junk time and out of necessity because briars no or piper's no longer on the team kinsley's no longer on the team liz graduated uh lizzie got thrown into this role where she's not only starting but playing significant minutes and she's responded by posting a 23.9 PER, which put her in the 91st percentile in the nation. Um, she's got three win shares uh, to her own name, which puts her in the 81st percentile. Like, she has I, – I, I just – I can't stress enough that no one saw this coming. Dude, it's And crazy. it's a credit to her and yeah. her hard work and her lifestyle changes and everything she's made she's been able to step up um but like it's also a, a testament to coach sanders too because oh yeah. i mean that Big was time. her role at uh st mary's if i'm not mistaken was the development of the post players and katie grice as well she works a right. ton with our post here yep so really i mean lizzie this season has just transformed into basically a, a double double threat every single night i mean when she's hitting her uh 10 foot little jump shot She's almost unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And then as far as offensive rebounding, like she's probably the best offensive rebounder in the big sky. Yeah. I mean, she's averaging eight and eight on the season. Um, offensive rebound numbers, two and a half a game. Like she's, this has been huge. I mean, imagine if we had these numbers out of her last year. Oh my gosh. This, this <laughs> team is probably playing in the big sky championship. Well, that's, that's, that's what I was saying, you know, before we started, I went back and I kind of listened to, few of our podcasts from last year talking about you know SUU hoops and continually it, it, we never well first off we never mentioned Lizzie Williams and she was on the team last year like Hayden said she but we never mentioned her but it was it was what SU seemed to need was was a big post player because last year we had our four or five as Liz and Dari yep. were practically the same height now you get Lizzie who's quite a bit taller and you still can play Dari, who's who's a fine player. I like what you said, Christian, though, about like her unlocking the offense mm. because I, I stressed this a ton last year in private circles at SUU Women's Hoops. They needed to shoot more threes, and, and they never did because they're a pretty good shooting team. Yeah. Um, but last year they just, for one reason or another, they hardly ever shot threes. This year so far they've shot 180 more threes. Whew. Through I, I mean, they've played six more games, but – 33s a game that's they're they're obviously shooting right. a lot more and that's because lizzie's kind of unlocked that interior uh where you can kind of get a little bit more spacing on the outside yeah, absolutely and so many of liz's baskets last year came off of offensive yep. rebounds like mm-hmm. everything was right next to the hoop yep and now you got natalia on one side sam, sam. on one side yeah um Dela has just been 
Dayla's been phenomenal, phenomenal yep. the last few weeks, slashing in, and I mean she's even hitting her shots. Sharita's doing her. I was thing. gonna say, are you gonna are you gonna let me sit beside you and you not mention? No, I was waiting for you to say it because I know your affinity <laughs> for Sharita. So Sharita Darty is the best thing to happen to SU women's basketball. <laughs> She's on, great. On no, I, record saying that. That's that's what I was gonna give a shout out to as well. I mean, I I love Lizzie and obviously her development has been incredible. And I completely agree with the offensive rebounding stuff. Like she just uses her length so well. But I wanted to give a shout out to Sharita and Dela. And then in that same breath, Tracy, because while they have developed her so well, they make Lizzie's life quite easy. They do such a good job of putting her in a position to succeed that it's like, I mean, it's really just making layups, right? And if she can make layups and if she can make her little jump hook or that 10-footer that you were talking about, like, she can be really good. And Tracy and then Sharita and Dela in turn have done such a good job of putting Lizzie in that position and and – She's, you know, taken on the role and accepted it and been phenomenal at it. But Dayla and Sharita have been just unbelievable. They've been so good. And one thing I really like, too, is it's clear that uh, Sharita has had some sort of mentor role to Dayla because their play styles are so similar as far as just slashing and attacking and being incredibly aggressive in the paint. And it's, it's so fun to me to sit there and watch like, oh yeah, like these older veteran players are kind of like taking these younger ones under the wings. And now you've got Dela who is a true sophomore and then Sam's a true sophomore. Uh, and that's like a, a, a great young core to build around for the future. They're, they are so annoying to play against. And I really believe that because even if they're driving and turning it over, they never stop driving. Oh yeah. yeah. Like it's so, it would be so annoying to play defense against them because you have to be on your toes all the time because Dale is trying to blow right past you. Sharita's trying to blow right past you. And if you don't step over, if you get beat, then your big has to step over and then they're dumping off to Liz and to Dari and it's just easy buckets. And it's it's all the time. They're always slashing off the ball. And it's yeah. so hard to defend against because typically you'll have one and then maybe two really solid on ball defenders. And Dale and Sharita will cook anybody. Well I wonder, you know, Christian, you mentioned like the mentorship that goes on with the team. Um, I wonder how much of that has played a role in the success they've had this year, where on paper, if yeah. you look at our, our talent level, it's not as high as it was last year. Right. And I wonder if some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Sharita, although she was a junior last year, she still was new. She was mm-hmm. a transfer, mm-hmm. right? And so Sharita and Dela came in kind of competing for time, and I wonder if there was a little – power struggle there about who was going to be the point guard who's doing this yep and now they've kind of settled into that role that you're talking about it took a year to figure it out but it worked so well and uh yeah just just seeing i mean that was a huge issue for this team last year was they didn't really have a leader mm. like you would think it would have been liz because she's averaging 20 and 10 but liz yeah. never wanted to be that right yeah that wasn't her that wasn't her no and uh you know, so we there's multiple times last year we all looked at each other and we're like, it's got to be Sharita. It's got to be Sharita. But Sharita was very quiet still, still trying to find her own role at the team. And it seems like this team has finally, like, settled into their roles, their responsibilities on and off the court. And it's it's been exciting to see. It's so – that's what's fun about, like, sports in general, I guess. Like, you can see kind of things unfold, like, as the season progresses, like – I was at the UNLV game when it was a ugly loss 
I thought the season was done pretty much. That was like their fourth game of the year. And then basically that's when they turned it around and like came back and they won four games in a row after that loss. And it was like, okay, they might have a little something. And it did take kind of everybody kind of taking a step back and realizing, okay, this is what we have to do mm -hmm. to be successful as a team. But yeah. it's worked so good. It's I remember been that fun. UNLV game because, you know, oh. we were all so excited for uh, winter spring sports, right? Because our, our fall sports season was <laughs> it left something to be desired. So we're like, yes, we're getting hoops back finally. And then they, you know, they played a couple of times before that and then they go to UNLV and that happens. And we're just like, Oh no, like, what are we going to do? But you know, they, they have, they turn it around and going, kind of circling back to, to Lizzie. I mean, it kind of makes me wonder what the tournament's going to look like this year. Yeah. If you, if you look back at the tournament last year, we played, Northern Colorado um, after our first, I believe we had a bye. We had a bye. Um, and then we played Northern Colorado. And the one thing that our game was last year was Liz and Dari, they got interior points, interior buckets, whether, you know, through ISO or through pick and roll, whatever it was. But we couldn't do that because of Alicia Davis. Now we have a big body down there spaced with four shooters. Yeah. It, it's the the problem that we had last year has now been solved so it makes me wonder what what's it going to look like i know, think the only thing that can hold back this team and it's what has held them back in in some of their recent losses is their main three-point shooters are sam johnston and natalia Oka, missouri mm -hmm. outside of those two they don't really have anybody else that can put up five or six three-pointers a game and the thing with both of those players is they both seem to be either extremely hot like they were against Northern Arizona or extremely cold like they were in their previous game against Montana State. I believe they made a combined like two out of like 10 or 11. Yeah. If that. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, obviously it was fun watching Northern Arizona because they went off, but if, if they're not hitting their threes, then that's kind of when the offense struggles to score. One of them to has score. to be hit. Yep. Yeah. Right, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, uh, I've noticed it's not like what you would expect in terms of like, well, if one of them's having an off game, the other one's playing yep. well, it's pretty frequently they both have an off game yeah. at the same time. But as you look at, check out their box scores, they're getting better as the season yep. goes on as well. Um, one thing I really, really like about Natalia is she has just got some, some Kobe in her blood Dude, where it's crazy. even if she is like one of 15, that's not going to stop her from, from letting yeah. it rip. And it's I think awesome. that's exactly what we need out of her. Yeah. Someone to come off the bench and, you know, just heat up real fast. So, um, also talking about coming off the bench, how good has Maddie Eaton been coming oh. off the bench? And that's one thing I was worried about because she's been, this is her third or fourth, third, third year, year in the program. Third season. And that can understandably be hard for a player to be part of a team for that long. And then all these other young players and transfers come in and take a lot of minutes from you. But, I mean, Maddie has handled that role so well coming off the bench. And it's, it's fun because she's a spark. And sometimes, you know, Sharita, for example, against NAU got into foul trouble early. Maddie comes off the bench mm -hmm. and immediately the offense just clicks. Well, and that's the thing because it's not like Maddie's really playing fewer minutes, yeah. right? Just her role has changed a little bit. And there's some really good players in the history of this game who 
have just statistically always been better coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Think about Jason Terry. Like, yep. Yep. that dude never did anything as a starter. You plug him into a six-man role, and suddenly he's a borderline all-star. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's that's what maddie has been doing for this team, coming in and, and just putting up those buckets fast. So We saw it a little bit last year, too. I mean, yeah. There was that yeah. one game last year where she came off the bench, and she had struggled all year. And she couldn't. She she never found her stride. And then that one game where she came off the bench, she was lightning. It was amazing what she was doing. So I'm really happy to see. Well, that. you remember we were praising them. Yeah. Like, we, oh gosh, this was so smart. This is such a, a great good idea. Move. And then it turns out it was just like <laughs> it was like a mistake or a something. Clerical error. <laughs> and they it's were like, all like, well, <laughs> they were all around the bench, and then the announcers announced uh, who started. Was it Dela? I think it was Dela. They were like. Okay, like that's that's let's go. <laughs> this with is the it. best thing that ever happened, <laughs> and it was awesome. And they played really, really well that game. So, but at least they're doing it now this year, and here we go. Well, there's you know? a lot to be excited about with this team still. I don't want to look too far ahead before the season is over, but that's just what I do. I <laughs> this team potentially could just lose Dari. And that's oh yeah, it. Dari is using. She's utilizing her COVID senior year right now. So yeah. So Sharita wants to come back. She can come back. Yep. Right. So, um, you look at this team who they're bringing in. We're gonna have two young, really good guards who are just buckets. And Emmy Clark, who might be the best shooter on the team, the second she you know becomes part of the team. Lexi Jensen from up north, who is one of the best prep players in the state of Utah. I have no idea why she's coming here instead of BYU, but I'm so glad she is. And then we have another 6'5 post from Idaho, Ashley Banks. I mean, we'll have to do a pod just going in on our our, our incoming freshmen, but like, that's fun, man. This team is looking good moving forward. And yeah, who knows what other transfers they could add. Hopefully, get another post in here, but. It's really exciting. So and I have the like this year has just solidified my belief in, in Tracy Sanders. Oh my gosh. And like I don't even care if she didn't bring in any of those players and then we lost six of them. I'd be like, Yeah, we're still probably gonna have a winning season because Tracy just figures it out. She just knows how to win games. And, no, I'm not and even get like... the most out of her team. Like she just is really unbelievable. Yeah, like, this isn't hyperbole. Like, she could go to SUU intramurals, put together a team of eight or nine girls, and they would probably win five games in conference. They would beat Portland State. (laughs) They would beat Portland State. (laughs) She's that good of a coach. It is amazing seeing what she's – because at the beginning of the year, when all of our posts were dropping like flies, I just remember being like, oh, this season is going to suck. Well, yeah, because it was like they were expecting Piper to be here. They were expecting Kinsley to be here. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now Lizzie Williamson is starting. Like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Right. But right. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I did see some chick at the intramural game the other day that was just hooping. I was like, yo, I think you should be on the team anyway. She was getting buckets left and right. <laughs> some chick. I should have went and introduced myself been like, hey, I got an in with Tracy. Like, <laughs> let me – let me set you up a meeting. You, we laugh, but that literally was a conversation one time when, like, all the posts were dropping left and right. Yeah. I, I can't remember if it was Tracy or Katie I saw in the halls, and they're like, "If you know anyone that wants to walk on, let us know." Like, yeah, they're gonna host they were open dying to find like another girl that could come in that was, you know, around six feet tall because they're moving 
five foot seven Alexa Lord to power yeah. forward. Like hey, hey, they're, listed at five nine. Five nine. Come put, on. They're so are it you. Up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I if if I have the opportunity to ever play college basketball now that I am graduated from college, uh, I will list myself as six five. You still so. got a grad year, so I do. Don't I, grad I, Don't sell yourself short. Todd Simon, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, men's hoops now. Coming off a win against Northern Arizona, 79 to 48. They held NAU to 14 points in the first (laughs) half. That's ridiculous. There's 20 minutes and a half, and they scored 14 points. That's hilarious to me. But yeah, that was a. I think Jalen Cohn had more than 14 points in the first half by himself when we played him the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Jalen. Oh, yeah. That's a really fast guy. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah, that dude is the fastest human being I've ever seen. You have this random hatred for him that's so funny. Oh, because he came off the bench and gave Duke 22 last year. (laughs) I know what happened. So It's not hatred, it's respect. It's just I'll never forget, like, Bryson Lester, the Big Sky's uh, comms director, texted me and was like, yo, did you see NAU's games? last night it was like one of their first games of the season and i was like no why would i be watching nau they suck and he's like check it out and he sent me a link and i saw jalen cone and i don't know how i missed it over the summer i just totally missed that he transferred there Mm -hmm. and i just remember just being like why is he in my conference he can't (laughs) be in this conference get him no ban him (laughs) (laughs) so men's basketball they're gonna wrap things up uh against the university of montana thursday night then they're going to travel to – Final home game. Yeah, that will be their last home game of the season, senior night. Then they're going to travel to Bozeman on Tuesday, March 1st for a matchup against Montana State. Number one seed. Number one seed. Then uh, Pocatello, Idaho, March 3rd against Idaho State. Uh, Not the number one seed. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, finish the season up against Weber State. That will be some game, man. That's going to be an exciting one. Is that during spring break? Yeah. We should go up there. Hey, I know someone up there. Hey. You guys can come up and, and hang out. Is Does Idaho State still have Tariq Cool? Yes. Yes. Oh. And I don't mean to brag, but we just got a new minivan, so we could all pile in. Ooh. What a time. Got a DVD player in it and everything. What and a subtle flex right Xbox. there. Well, <laughs> you know. That was so weird. I was going to roast you for it, and then I was like, that's actually I wouldn't mind cool. having a minivan. <laughs> That's pretty sick. Oh, you got a DVD you're, player? You're approaching right. the age quickly, Parker. You <laughs> oh, got a dog now. so weird for me. The second that Brooklyn's eligibility is up, <laughs> she's going to be expecting a baby. Yeah, why do you think we got the puppy? <laughs> <laughs> so we got Montana State coming in at the one seed. They're 13-3. and three. And then Weber State, SUU, and Northern Colorado all at five losses. Weber State with one more win, 12-5. and five. So... The three teams are just, I mean, yeah, they're right there. Well, and the top four teams might, like, geez, they're yeah, all. Yeah. And Northern Colorado swept us, so got to give them props. I can't, I don't even want to talk about those games. I can't. <laughs> we, we talked a little <laughs> bit about that yesterday, Christian and I did. I just, I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that Northern Colorado has our number somehow this year. That, 
anyways, we'll talk more about that Northern Colorado game in a bit. Is it because everybody on the team loves Bodie Hume as much as I do? Gosh, I love I'm Bodie. I love a, Bodie I'm Hume. I'm such a Bodie Hume guy, dude. <laughs> we all are. We all we all thought last year that he was going to transfer to the Pac-12, and then he didn't, and he's too good to stay here in Dang the big it. sky. So, but, watch, he's man, gonna, he's gonna transfer to the WAC next year. I guarantee. Oh, can you imagine that? <laughs> That'd Gosh. Be <clears throat> yeah. So Montana State goes at Montana. By the way, the last time Montana State played was against us. So February nineteenth, and then the next time they play is February twenty seventh. Oh That's almost two weeks. Yeah, and they have that Sunday game. Is that game always on Sunday when the Montanas play each other? I couldn't tell you. It's called like Brawl of the Wild or whatever. They'll play at Montana. Um, and then we have our makeup game. So they'll play us at home on March 1st. And then they play Sac State home and Northern Colorado home. So that Northern Colorado game could actually be, be pretty big. Three games yeah. in five days. That's that's a lot of games. Though. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say that they lost to Northern Colorado. But three games in mm, five yeah. days? Yeah. In so overtime. they so lost to Northern Colorado in overtime on December 2nd. Um, mm. And I mean, they only have three losses in conference, so maybe Northern Colorado has their number too. They have three games in five days, and then okay, then there's a week in between. No, there's not. There's yeah, no there's not. There's like the next Man, two days be later. Gas headed into the tournament. Yeah. They'll have a first round bye, so yeah, unless they get that first so round bye. An extra day. But I mean, that we could. I mean, I'm not going to say anything crazy, but we could reasonably beat them, and then if they lose to Northern Colorado, now they're at five losses as well. And we're the one yeah. seed. So that Weaver State, Weaver that State. we yeah, that Weaver State <laughs> game could actually be pretty important. I yeah, mean, we those kind last of last games of the season are going to be. Yeah, we were kind of expecting it to be important, but so I think well, that's kind of what happened last year, right? Eastern Washington dropped that what yep. it was second was the last game or their last game of the regular season, and we were playing our second. And Weaver State did as well. Weaver State ended up losing to like Idaho at the end of last year too. So yeah. that's why it favored us a little Yo, bit. Yeah, can't sleep on my boy Gabe Quinnett. No, dude, that <laughs> floppy screen action is undefeated, and I won't go away. I mean, yeah, Weaver State is one and four in their last five. Weaver really? State has been playing so bad with losses to Eastern Washington and Idaho, wow. and then they lost to Northern Colorado in overtime. Every single time I like pull up to the stadium i'm waiting for the game to start i'll pull up espn plus on my phone yeah i can't like believe what i'm seeing every single time they're just losing to another crappy basketball team especially because that game against us they looked they looked unstoppable they almost looked literally unbeatable yeah. i mean they they were making a lot of shots but it felt like it was Their so bigs easy were pulling for them. out and shooting threes and hitting them on us Dude, did you hear what happened during that actually no he had made one three on the year what? I know he made one last year. He made one three on the year, and so Brooklyn <laughs> Brooklyn was over by the bench taking pictures, right? And she was like, what's going on? Like, after the big guy kept – I think he made three threes. Yeah. And the guys down at the end of the bench, you know, Swift and – and uh, oh, what's his face? The one that rubs his hands in the intro video. <laughs> yes. I don't know his name. Andrew, Andrew Marshall. Marshall. Andrew yeah. Marshall. <laughs> My apologies, Andrew Marshall. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot your name. Um. So they, they lean over to Brooklyn, and they're like, yeah, I mean, our game plan was to just roll the screen and leave the big man open because we know he's not going to shoot it. And then he knocked down the first three, and then they were like, well, all of a sudden we're down again. 12, right? And, like, that was their whole game plan. But he just happened to make them when he played us. And now they look so bad. Well, They literally could go, I mean, one and two in their last three. Portland State at NAU and then home versus SUU. 
Dude, I, I don't know, dude. Kobe they were playing had huge games too. They're playing I think so they bad. They both shot like sixty or seventy percent from three. Here's the thing: when when Weber State came here and Bassett was hitting those threes, I remember turning to you, Parker, and just being like, "If Bassett shoots like this, Weber State is literally unstoppable. Like, there's no team that can touch them because you got Bassett letting it rain." McEwen and Seku are probably the best backcourt in the league. Like, they they just looked amazing. And, like, Weaver State's got, like, 21 feet of big dudes on their bench that would be playing for any other team in the conference. Like, they just looked amazing. And then the very next night, or the very next game, they go and play Montana State. And Bellow makes Dante Bassett look like... He didn't yeah. even belong on the floor. And that's yeah. the same bellow that was shut down by hometown hero Jason <laughs> Spurgeon. Big Sky Basketball makes no sense. It makes it makes no, no sense. sense. <laughs> Those five teams at the top of the conference, I wouldn't be any surprised if any of them won. Yeah. And I wouldn't be don't, surprised don't if any of them lost it. in the first round. It's but, so close. I will say we talked in the beginning of the year about how this SCU team would not win the regular season Big Sky title and – the conference title yeah. it would be one or the other mm-hmm. and i'll take the other even though we've taken a few losses lately i feel like we're finding ourselves in a pretty solid position because one i feel like we've gotten every team's best shot all yeah. year like they're coming for us because we finished on top of the league and we talked a lot yeah last year it's so we're un- not even winning a conference tournament our team talked a lot of junk. we had so well we it we also had a ton of notoriety last yeah. year. Yeah, like if you you could get online, all the mid-major social media sites were they had us in the top fifteen. They had us making the tournament. They said these guys yep. are better. You know, they we we were great. And so it's yeah, the it's, exact same thing that we would be doing to any other team in the Big yep. Sky Conference right. if they had the preseason player of the year and they were picked to be favorites. The preseason player of the year plus two more first teamers. Plus two more first teamers, and you're returning, you know, 90 percent of your points or whatever it was, like. But, Here's what I'm seeing. Like, we struggle a bit. John Knight looks banged up out there. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't look super healthy. He has for the last three years. Right. And <laughs> last game, I saw something different out of SCU than I've seen all season. The offense isn't running through John and Dre and Tev. The offense was running through Spurgeon Mays. Todd's taking the pressure Ugh. off the backcourt. That sounds so sexy to me. And suddenly, <laughs> this team just, like, was unstoppable. I bet you we see that through the rest of the regular season to give our backcourt the rest that their bodies need. I mean, John and Dre yeah. are like my age. They're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, those dudes are the oldest non-LDS serving missionary, like basketball players, basketball players, basketball players. in college. Like, <laughs> so like they, the, their bodies need the rest. Yeah. And, that's going to serve us so well to see the continual emergence of who Christian already mentioned, Jason Spurgeon. Like, yeah, Spurgeon. And then on top of that, Mason has been, for the most part, one of the most consistent players. I think He's he had, been our best he player had, this he year. He's, he single-handedly won us like 10 games to start right. the year. Mason then, has been so good to fall back on kind of when Tev isn't hitting his shots and when John can't get into the lane. Uh, it's really been Mason to step up and – same thing. He's just one of those real scrappy dudes who just he does what he needs to do to win, and he's he's fun to watch. Too. The addition though of Spurge is going to be huge in the Big Sky tournament because oh, yeah. last year 
It was oh, it was maze. It was maze against Montana State. It yeah, really so was. Sad. I mean, every other player. Tev had an okay game against that Montana State game in the in the, in the Big Sky tournament. I think he had like fifteen and ten. But you're you're saying, hey, Mays, go get an offensive rebound against yep. Jabril Bello. Oh, on the defensive end, go defend Jabril Bello. And and Bello's just bigger than Mays. The guy that got like three or four inches on him, a couple hundred pounds. And <laughs> he's a big dude. He's a big he's dude. Big, he's muscly. So I guess my roundabout point is, yes, I, I love Todd Simon running the offense through Spurgeon Mays, but I I love even more the idea that we can kind of count on Jason Spurgeon. Because yeah. you couldn't count on mm-hmm. Yvonne Madunich last year. Love you, Yvonne. You did a ton for SU basketball. You couldn't count on him when it came down to it. Well, I mean, same thing. The dude was like 30. Yeah. His body was broken down. He, he couldn't play so many mm-hmm. minutes for us over the course of five years. Like, he... There just wasn't anything left in the tank. You couldn't play him more than three minutes without him signaling to Todd Simon. <laughs> take me out, so. To be fair, if you tell me that John's going to average two threes a game through the conference tournament, I'd put 100 bucks on us right now. Absolutely. I mean – Because he – it's what we talked about during all last game when Montana State played here. It's just so hard – for one, John to get going, but then two, for everybody else to get going when they don't respect his – even that he's going to shoot a 15-footer. Oh, yeah. John was gonna, was 30 feet away from the basket, and Adamu was already in the paint. Was already in him. the paint. And, like, it, it, and I – right, it's very obvious to see, like, oh, that's going to be really hard for John to score. But now it's really hard for Tev to score. Now it's hard to inbound the ball to Jason Spurgeon down low. Say, now Spurgeon and Mays it's are double, triple teams. Yeah. It, it makes everybody else obsolete. And so if you told me that he was going to average two threes a game, even just shoot two threes a game, like I'd be like, yo, I like our chances because yep. they now have to just respect it. Even if he just rims one out, like they have to respect that he's going to shoot it. I, like, And it's not like he can't. Could you pull up his, his three-point percentage on the season? Like I, I feel like love to. I really have not seen him miss – a lot of threes, especially like going and watching practices and stuff. He makes his threes in practice. Yeah, and well, and it's like what Dre was saying when we had him on the podcast, right? Dre was like, he's not a bad shooter. It's no, just not, not in his offensive game to want to shoot it. it. Yeah. yeah, he literally – yeah, that's a good way to put it. He, it literally like doesn't even cross his mind. Even when he sees a guy playing 15 feet off him, he's like, oh, now I have 15 free feet of space to go right. and get where I want to play. Right. right? It's not like it's even – Pick up some speed before yeah, you go he, in. Yeah, he just doesn't even think about – wanting to shoot the three ball. And the fact that he took two of them, like, in the flow of the offense was unbelievable. So he's taken 12 threes and made four of them. 33%. And how many of those were, like, half-court Exactly. That's all I was going to say. I I would say that, you know, at least three or four of them were, like, end of shot clock, just chuck it up. So if we're talking about actual three-pointers – he squared up, tried to hit. He's probably shooting like fifty percent, which I Genuinely. know that's like four Sample of eight. Size, yeah. But like, still, that's enough that that he needs to be respected if he consistently starts shooting. Can, this can, is my favorite number right here. Oh my god! Spurge steps out, knocks down forty three percent of his threes. Can we can we take a slight detour and then and then come right back to this? But why has Anand Moody only taken twenty nine threes this year? I I realize that I don't watch as I don't watch as many games as you guys get the chance to. Ninety-two. Oh, ninety-two. I was looking. But at, still, I was looking still. At, okay, I was looking at the line under. He, I mean, he, I mean, he right. should be upwards of. A, Dre's taking one hundred twenty-four. Uh, Tev's taking one hundred seventy-one. <laughs> yeah. Look at Anand, my guy, Tev. Anand should Just be up gunning. there at one thirty. Yeah. 
I mean, he should at least be at 123. He's, he's almost at like 46%. From almost 46%. <laughs> Shoot the, the ball, man. The reigning three-point champion, which is weird because they've seemingly transitioned on and from like a three-point specialist this like what he was last year into now he's supposed to be like a defensive guy this year. And Interesting. It's weird. But hmm. I don't know. He he definitely is one of the best three-point shooters in the conference. So yeah, oh, in the country, play. Uh, the, yeah. the in whole the team, the whole team, the, the the team as a whole, it just shoots really, really well from deep. Though. Yeah, I mean they're what thirty-four percent on the season, I think. So they're just they need to shoot, like just shoot threes. They can. I mean, all five of their starting players, I would trust to shoot a three. Oh, that's Plus Harry and Onan. And then and then, but Harry's that's, that's so why John, well. to your point, Christian John, look, everyone else is doing it, and when everyone else starts making them. <laughs> everyone else is doing it. Jump off a cliff. Everyone else is doing it. Every, you know, when the yeah. ba- when everyone else is making them, that basket seems a lot bigger. Right. Yeah. And so, and John can feed off of that. He's too good of a player not to. I actually think that's a really good point. I think that his game gets so much worse when everybody else is struggling, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. But like when everybody else is struggling, right? When Tev's missing his shots, when Dre's missing his shots, I feel like J.K. feels like he how now has this burden of like, okay, I got to yeah. take the lid off. I got to go get a bucket for my guys. And he forces a lot of bad shots where he f- are like, they just need to let the game come to him. And I feel like that's what happened in that Maybe NAU win is they kind of just like let the flow of the game come to him. That could be one thing that's like a weak point of this team is because they had such high expectations. I think any loss kind of gets to them. Or yeah, any time when sure. they're losing in a game, it's hard to – you know, be the preseason favorites, and it's like, oh, man, we're we're losing this game at home to Weber State. Like, that's tough, and it's hard to sit there in the middle of a tough game and understand this is a long season. You can, you can stand to lose a couple of games, but I think ultimately going into the tournament, we're going to see, like, a lot different of a team than we've kind of seen throughout the season. Well, gosh, and I love the idea of – John rolling off screens and cutting to the basket, yeah, taking the ball out of his hands and giving it to him in the drive rather than making this dude put the ball on the floor. Like, mm-hmm. And that's what we saw against NAU. That's what putting the ball in Spurgeon's hands does for this offense. Yeah. So um, real Let's, quick before we move on, I'm going to throw some stats at you why we should be excited about the T-Birds. In the last seven games, Jason Spurgeon has averaged 12 a game. Ooh. He's hit double figures five of the last seven. And last week, three-game week, he averaged 15 and seven. That's so sick, man. You imagine taking what we have, what we already know, what everyone knows we have, right? Yeah. We got our steady point guard in Dre. We got our bucket getters in John and Tev. We got Mays, who's the most dependable player in the conference. And now you throw a 15 and seven, seven-footer in there. Like, come and on. And that's what – immediately when you said that my thought was like oh sick now in the big sky tournament teams are going to be like oh we got to worry about jason spurgeon yeah okay right. now you're going to forget about worry Harry. about all forget about tev like they're going to forget about someone yeah they're going to forget about dre and dre's going to go off and right. have his big game like he does every year like it's I, I i think even though we're what two and three in the last five we're in a really good position Headed into the the conference tournament easily. With, I don't with the way they've been playing. I don't want to toot our own horn, but it's exactly what we talked about preseason, and we toot were so horn, we were so high on Jason Spurgeon, <laughs> and he was going to be huge for us. 
and then he, you know, started the year and things were a little slow and, you know, he didn't really have the confidence to even put together a post move. He was kind of just out there being a big body. Now that he actually has that confidence, it's exactly what we thought was going to happen from the start of the year. It's like you what you tweeted out the other day. This is who we've seen in practice a hundred times now. It just took a whole season to get there, but it's coming. At I'm being I'm you, being you so serious. Yeah, young. Every practice guy. we watch, Spurgeon's literally the best player on the floor. And I'm being so serious. He's not yeah. the most talented. That's obviously Tev. He's not the most athletic. That's obviously JK. Spurge is the best player on the floor anytime that we're watching a practice. Uh, Todd Simon, I remember he said that at the beginning of the season when I was still here at SU, I got to go see a practice. And, and, uh, I remember him coming up and talking to Hayden and I and being like, yeah, Spurge is, Spurge is one of the best, if not the best, on our team. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, the, the guy, guy didn't play. Like, like, huh? <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, at the end of last year, we did our, our season recap podcast, Connor and I, and we said over and over, your starting center next year cannot be Jason Spurgeon. It cannot be Jason Spurgeon. It cannot be Cortese Cooper. We just said it over and over. Cannot be Jason Spurgeon. Well, it is, and I'm. We eating, all thought Malik was that yeah. guy, and you know, and I'm eating major crow, and I've never been more happy to eat crow because just a good dude, and he's just a hell of a ball so player. So basically, the conclusion that we've come to is that our Australian centers are carrying yes. our teams. Yeah. Well, real quick, on that same note, Kelton, I remember two years ago, hanging out with John Wardenberg, our old associate head coach he's a uh, Todd's top assistant he retired this last year and I remember it was when they were recruiting Spurgeon and he pulled me aside and he was like listen stud this is a guy you just had to toss that stud in there just he said it like every other word <laughs> this is a guy that if he was an LDS kid from Utah we wouldn't have a chance at him he would be at Utah he would at be at BYU no one knows about him He's a he's a P5 big, like just talked about him so much. And then he got on campus a few weeks later with his parents, like for his visit. Skinny little dude. Baby face. Like yeah. I was just like. He looks 12. Dub, I do not see it. I do not see it. But his mom was so nice to me that, you know, I just hung out with her for the day. She was so charming. But like, uh, yeah, exactly what you said, Kelton. Like they were right about him all along and people are just barely seeing that the kid was skinny as a rail last year and i think that was a big part of why we were so skeptical yeah and then when he comes back from the off season what 20 pounds heavier yeah. and and it's just but muscle, he's still skinny like, too like it's still not skinny. even he's like got more he can put on more yeah. this off season. it's not even like he's thick like bellow yeah he's still a tall skinny guy it's like one of those like y- you notice the you see those tiktoks or those tweets every now and again like nba transformations like gordon hayward yeah. he came, comes into mm-hmm. the league he's just this eensy weensy little white boy and then he transforms and he looks just like an NBA player. That's kind of what Jason Spurgeon's doing is yeah. he's transforming. I literally cannot wait if he's here next year for him to just try and go get 20 and 10 every game. Oh, Why yeah. Not? He has the, oh, he has so the ability to, especially if he keeps evolving his, his three-point game. I mean, what is he, 6 of 14 on the year from three? Like, that's not bad for a Oh, and when he took Bell off the dribble. Oh, my gosh. oh, it's so <laughs> Shook him. Took him off the dribble, flushed so it home. Good. Oh, <laughs> that made me so happy. But no, to to Christian's point, we are tying our our conference championship hopes to 13 and a half feet of Australians. <laughs> of and Australia. I, I couldn't feel any better about <laughs> it. Couldn't feel any better about <laughs> it. 
I just I just wanted to sign off with with a, a line from the Australian national anthem. <laughs> Obviously, Australians, all let us rejoice, for we are young and free. We've golden soil and wealth for toil. Our home is girt by sea. Our land abounds in nature's gifts of beauty rich and rare. In history's page, let every stage advance Australia fair. Here, here. In the Spoken name. like a true Aussie. <laughs> in the name. <laughs> you almost got me. Like, oh, shoot. <laughs> so if, if men's and women's basketball both win a game in the Big Sky Tournament, the entirety of SEU is honorary Australians, I have decided. Oh, my gosh. It, for, yeah. for the last home game, we should all just make signs that say Advance Australia Fair. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, we'll see you next time.